going to be a great day today. Um, you know, I'm thankful for what Susan, Amber, and Andrew did this, this week, and all of our teams, our um, Debbie Nill, and just, just so many people worked so very hard. And this, this last Wednesday was amazing because, um, you know, as they did that whole circus, um, uh, that party, they threw that party, it was really cool and really fun, but then they brought everybody in this room and, and then just effectively turned the attention on the manger. That Christmas is not the circus that the world makes it. Christmas is about Christ entering the world for you, for me. And, and you know, that's Advent. Um, that's that's the, the, the message of Advent. Advent means coming. It means that it, it's the time that we celebrate that Christ came into the world. And all through history, uh, Christians have, have celebrated that and, and have drawn attention to the, the fact that, that the Christmas message is about the advent of Christ, the coming of Christ. Now, if you're like our family, we have this series of candles on our kitchen table. And um, in, in this last several weeks, we've kind of tried to draw attention to the Advent um, uh, story, the Advent journey. Now, we've baptized this, right? Uh, is that a word, baptized? I just made it up. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a doctor. I can make up stuff. Um, I'm just kidding. Um, but you know, if you come from a more formal background, you might go, okay, you guys are kind of messing this up. Well, we, we've kind of taken our Baptist spin on it because we're not as formal, but that's cool. Um, but, but the story of Advent is the message of hope. In the first week of, of Christmas, we, we kind of focused on hope because that's, that's what Jesus did. When he came into the world, he brought hope, hope to the world, hope to you, hope to me. Hope in life. Hope when this life is over. He, he brought peace to the world, and that's the second journey of Advent, the, the part of Advent where he brings, where Christ, that's the white candle, the focus is Christ brought hope. Christ brought peace. You know, in my heart, I, I'm naturally struggling for peace in my heart, in my life. And, and Jesus brought peace to the world. The, the third candle of Advent is joy. And I'm going to skim joy today, but let's think about joy. Joy is the, the, I mean, Jesus was out, um, the shepherds were out in the field, and the angels showed up to the shepherds. What did he say? Uh, um, I'm bringing you good news of great joy, right? You know what joy is. Joy is not an emotion, right? Joy, joy's not this emotion of happiness. That's not what joy is. It's much deeper. When you think about joy, when Jesus entered the world, he brought joy, real joy, which is deeper. It, it's this confidence. Joy is a deep down confidence that you can have a life that's pleasing to God. Joy is not a description of easy circumstances. 
we've come to experience this in our lives. It's even in the most difficult of times that Jesus brought joy to us. It's contentment regardless of what's going on in your life. That's joy. You know, sometimes I have found the greatest strength. I keep spitting my little thing off, and it keeps, I'll put it on in a second. It's my little cover here. My microphone, sorry. I'm spitting today. It's a good thing you front row people watch it. Um, but I'll put it on in a second. Um, but but here's, here's what we found. Even in the most challenging of circumstances, God brings joy to us, contentment, strength. Joy is not a warm, fuzzy feeling. It's not what joy is. Joy is also not generated by human effort. You can't make yourself feel joy. God gives you joy. That, that's the beauty of Christmas, joy at Christmas, that, that he, he's given us this relationship with him. That, that Christ entered the world so that you would know him. And so that it's important as you think about Advent, joy has come to the world. Now today, we're, we're, I know we're um, baptizing this, but the pink candle is the candle of love. And if you have your Bibles, we're in Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3 is where we are today. And, and, and love, when, when Christ entered the world, he showed you love. And that's an important message at Christmas time. I'm going to put this on while I have all my hands here. Um, that, that God came to dwell among us. And what that did is it enabled love to be knowable by you and me. You can know this love. Now, as we've been, if you're visiting today, we're, we're, we're kind of not in a traditional Christmas passage because through Advent, we've been read, through this year, we've been reading through the Bible. And, and this last week, we read the, the book of Ephesians, which is a, a book in the Bible, but it's actually a letter written by Paul. And, and as you think about the, the fact that Christ entered the world, there's a passage in the middle of Ephesians that's so very helpful as we understand the knowable love of God. Ephesians chapter 3, it's a prayer. In, in starting in verse 14, and let's stand together and let's look at this prayer. Ephesians 3, verse 14, we're going to go through verse 21. And, and, and I want us to, to really wrap our hearts and our minds around this concept of Advent that love has come into the world. Look at verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. 
Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, now, now I want us to, to, to catch this important concept of the love of Christ, the love that Jesus brought at Advent. When Christ entered the world, you, you see in this passage this incredible example that Jesus brings an indwelling love. I want to think about this. Look at verse 14. Now, I'll be honest with you. I, I read this in the ESV, but I memorized this in the NIV, the old NIV. So I'm, I'm going to have to go what's in my head and my heart because sometimes I get lost in the words in a new translation. But, 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 but he starts out, for this reason I kneel before the Father, notice this, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. When Christ entered the world, he changed our lives. That very, very clearly, that's the focal point of human history as God entered the world. God in the flesh came into the world. And, 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 and I think it's interesting, if you look at the book of Ephesians, we've read it, um, but, but it's interesting as you look at chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse 1, Paul starts in, for this reason, and then he just kind of pauses for 13 verses, and he chases a squirrel which I love that because I do that all the time, right? Uh, and, and, but then he gets back to verse 14 and he goes back, okay, for this reason. Now, now the, the book of Ephesians is an important letter and, and really, what, what is this reason? He's referring to these key theological truths that he taught, that he taught in chapters one and two. He, and, and really, when you think about the main, pic, the main message of Ephesians, Paul's writing this letter recognizing that Jews and Gentiles have come together to build a church. That, that's the, it's a letter to a church in Ephesus. Now, that's a messy thing. When, when Jews and Gentiles, when, when people come together to build a church, we come from different backgrounds, but it was really a big deal that the Jews and Gentiles, for the first time in history, were really worshiping together. They had a lot to figure out. And, 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 and Paul was praying, look, church, God has built a church here, and, and you, have a, you have a mission. And in the book of Ephesians, Paul is writing to this church going, look, you can live in the power of the Spirit of God. You need to engage the spiritual battle. This is, these are concepts in the book of Ephesians. But then you look at this prayer, and he's pointing the church going, look, you have a ministry in the world. And so you're to engage the world both with what you think and how you live. And the book of Ephesians is interesting because chapters 1 through 3 really talk about the theology that you should, the way you should think. And then chapters 4 through 6, it's this verse, this prayer that transitions to how you live. And that's just the theology of the book of Ephesians, the, 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 the theology and the practice of the book of Ephesians. Now, this prayer is interesting to me because you see this indwelling love. Look look at verse 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that we come from Christ, that we, we, we identify with Christ. Our identity is Jesus. This is what it means to be a Christian. 
And, and you see this, that, that, that this is our identity, and, 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 and this makes sense, right? Because Christ came to dwell among us. When Jesus entered the world, he came, God in the flesh came to dwell among us. We're going to look next, next year as we turn our face to the gospel of John, John 1.14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the, as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. And it's a miracle that Christ came to dwell among us. But he didn't just dwell among us. We remember that Christ entered the world in the flesh to help us see that we can be close to God. You and I can be close to him. We see this in Acts 17, 27, that God did this so people would find him. You, you see it in, you see the fact that God came close to us all through the scriptures. The Old Testament, Psalm 145, 18, the Lord is near to all who call on him, that you and I can be close to God because God entered the world to dwell among us. But it's fascinating. God didn't just enter the world to dwell among us. God entered the world to indwell us. Now, we, 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 we see this. We know this, you know, that, that, look at verse 16, or let's start in verse 14. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power in your inner spirit, so that Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith. And the disciples understood this. They, they got this because Jesus, when he, when he was in the flesh, he talked to them about, hey, let me tell you something. The helper is coming. There's going to be a helper that's going to be in you. And sure enough, at, at, you know, in Acts chapter, chapter 1, when Jesus ascended into heaven, he goes, in just a little while, the helper is going to come. And he's going to be in you. And at Pentecost, that's exactly what happened. The Holy Spirit indwelled us. That, that's where we are. The, the, the Jesus came into the world to dwell among us, but he also came to indwell us. And it says right here, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That, that, that it's through this faith in the Lord, this, um, this, this, this blessing of the Holy Spirit in us where there's strength and there's power there's hope, there's joy. And this is, when Christ entered the world, all, everything changed. History changed. Our history changed when Christ entered the world. It's, it's incredible that, that when Jesus came, he, his love for you, his love for me, his love for the world came to be indwelling. That's the story of Advent. That's the story of Christmas, that Christ came into the world. In this passage, you see it. You also see how Jesus brings this empowering love. Look at the end of verse 17. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, that you may have power with 
all the saints to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Fascinating. You know, the, the love of Christ has changed the world. The love of Christ has changed my world. Let's just think about the, 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 the height, the width, the length, the depth of the love of Christ. That when we, in our human understanding, it just causes our mind to go, to know this love that surpasses our knowledge. But yet, this love is so up close and personal, you can know it. You can know him. Let's think about this love. It's a love wide enough to embrace anyone who would come to it. You know what Jesus said. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. The advent of Christ brought this love to the world that was wide enough that anybody who comes would be forgiven. And Paul's writing to these Gentiles, these Jews. The Jews thought, hey, man, I'm good. We're the chosen people. The Gentiles, they were seen as, man, you eat, you eat bacon. You're, you're uncircumcised. You don't eat right. You don't look right. You don't act right. But even they, even we, because guess who most of us in this room, we're Gentiles. We were forgiven. See, God entered the world with a love wide enough. It's wide enough to embrace anybody that would come to him. He, he entered the world bringing a love that's long enough to last forever. The love of God is long enough it never ends. This is part of that love. When you sit down and think about the love of God, it just goes Man, how do you wrap your head around it? The book of Colossians, verse, or excuse me, 1 Corinthians, verse 13, says this about love. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As far as prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away, but it points to the love of Christ, this love that impacts the church, impacts believers so much because it's a love that's long enough to last forever. That's why I want you to be confident, not what you can do, but what Jesus did. Not in how you can be strong, but how he is at work in you, how he strengthens you. Not in your power, but in his power. It's a love long enough to last forever. 
It's a love high enough, and this is so intriguing to me. It's high enough to take sinners to heaven. That's the love of Christ. High enough that even sinners like me, a sinner like you, high enough that he'll take you to heaven. He'll take you to heaven. He'll, he'll welcome you. Uh, it's interesting as you think about 1 John chapter 3. The same John that wrote, the gospel of John that we'll study, who wrote 1 John, he says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us? That we should be called children of God, and so we are. Look at the love of God that you and I can be called children of God. Like, like Paul prays in Ephesians 3, this, his whole family in heaven and on earth, we get to be the family of God. We get to be close enough to be family. We get to be invited to his table, invited to his, his gathering. I love this. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we will see him as he is. And, 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 and John is amazed that, that we get to be like the Lord, and he is at work in us. He's indwelling us he didn't just dwell in front of us. He's dwelling in us, and he's molding us into his image. He's, he's moving us. He's keeping us. I'll tell you what, it's, his love transforms us. It's, it's also a love, how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And this is so fascinating to me. The love of Jesus, as he, it, it's deep enough to come to earth on a mission for us. You know why Jesus came. He told us. I came to seek and save the lost. And then he worked through the disciples and he looked at them and he says, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. And you see, it's a deep enough, it, his love is so deep. The advent of Christ was God himself leaving heaven, coming here on a mission for you and for me. You know, Philippians Chapter 2, God gives us an insight into this, into the magnificence of this mission. It says in verse 7, but Christ emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. There's going to be a day that every one of us walk through that door called death. And when we do, we're going to be in the presence of God, and I think we're going to be like, whoa, whoa. 
whoa. Jesus left here. He left heaven to come here. And, and in that leaving, he became obedient even to death on a cross. I think it's going to be magnificent enough that Jesus left heaven. That when we get there, and I know the Bible talks about streets of gold and all those things. Like, honestly, I don't really care about gold that much. But, but, but I'll tell you, we're going to be in that environment going, well, I ain't leaving. I don't want to leave. I wouldn't leave. But he left and became obedient, wait a minute, to death. You know what's going to be even more magnificent when we see the glory of heaven? It's going to be the 2 Corinthians 5.21 moment that we have, which says God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. What I think what's going to be most magnificent is not the streets of gold, not, the, not, not just the glory of heaven. No, that's going to be absolutely captivating. I think what's going to be so incredibly mind-blowing is that God, holy God, became sin. In the advent of Christ, Jesus entered the world with a love deep enough to come here on a mission for you and for me. You said, I just am blown away at this prayer. Because this kind of love empowers me. It empowers you. When you really sit down and think about the love of Christ... You're like, Lord, I'll follow you. Lord, your spirit is indwelling in me. Lord, your spirit is, is, is so unknowable, but yet at the same time, we know it. And it's fascinating for this reason, Paul says, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth, we derive its, our name. And, and I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit, not through your effort, through his power, his power that's, through his power. And I pray that out of his glorious riches, you may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together of all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. You see, I think it's interesting how Jesus, now he brings this love that's fulfilling. He brings this fulfilling love to you and to me. And I just want to ask you a question. I keep, I keep getting stuck on verse 17 so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And it's this love of Christ, this love that indwells in our hearts. Notice that. He dwells in our hearts through faith. You, you know, the, the word dwell, the, the original language is a little better than English. 
It's more descriptive than, than English. We hear that word dwell, but, but really, here's what dwell means. It, it, there's a couple of definitions for dwell in the original language. It means to enter. To dwell means to enter. We, we enter this confidence, this fulfillment in life. We enter through faith. But, but there's a more descriptive definition in, when you look at the Greek definition of, of dwell. It means to be at home with, to settle down with. And, and it's Christ who dwells in our hearts, who settles down in our hearts. There have been a couple of times this week that I've struggled with some personal doubts, a couple of different situations. And I found as I, as I think about that Christ dwells in my heart through faith. As I really ponder that, as I really think through that, it, Christ settles, he enters, right? But he settles down in my life. You know what I find? The more Christ, I, I realize that Christ has settled down in my life, the more I realize how trustworthy he is, the more I realize how, how sure his promises are, how, how certain his presence is, you know what I find? The more I settle down, the more I go, Lord, I, I trust you. The more I look to him and say, Lord, you're the one that fulfills me. You're the one that sustains me. Your power is real. You, it's right to obey you. It's right to seek you. It's right to get your perspective, to, get, to, to lean on your relationship. It's right to have faith in my living, in the way that I live. It's right to have faith in my giving the way that I give. It's right to have faith in my serving. It's right to have faith in times of blessing. It's right to have faith even in times when I'm in need. Christ dwells in our hearts through faith. And I don't want you to miss the advent of Christ, that Christ came into the world to dwell among us. But then as he died on the cross and rose from the, from the dead, his spirit today is indwelling us. And I want you to, know, I want you to catch the, the end here. Look at verse 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more then we can ask or imagine. Now, now, I don't know about you, but like uh, we can ask a lot, right? Sometimes we ask the Lord a lot. Reminds me of that day when our three kids were young and they were little and we said, hey, what do you want for Christmas? And they found this magazine, like some Disney magazine or something, and, and they brought it to us and they had, they had gone through and put like 300 and 33 post-it notes in it of all the things they wanted for Christmas. Here, Mom, Dad, that's what we want for Christmas. I was like, yeah, no, thanks. No. But it was cute. We kept it for a while. 
We probably have it in a box somewhere. But, but notice verse 20 and 21. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. And I want you to recognize that when Christ came into your life, well, first of all, when Christ came into the world, then he came into your life. There is this indwelling love. There is this empowering love. There is this fulfilling love that is better than you can ask or imagine. And it's not according to your strength or your power. It's according to his power that's, at, that's in us, that's at work within us. You, you see the power of God at work in the world. This is the call of the church. This is why Paul wrote this letter to a church. This is why he prayed this prayer to a church. Because God planted a church in the world to be an example to the people that don't know Christ, the people that don't see him, that see God's strength at work. And that's why he says, to him be glory in the church. And, and notice this. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I don't want us to miss the fact that that's where we're living right now. There will be a time in history where there are no more generations to come. There will be a last generation. Um, I, I don't know if that's where we are right now. Well, what I know is that, is that right now, there's, we're still in that generation to generation, right? I know this for certain because every day I call my daughter, hey, ready? If you haven't noticed that uh, Nathan misspoke just a tad today, it's okay. It's good. He is special. He's just not divine, right? Close. No, I'm just kidding, Lord. I'm just kidding. I was kidding. I was kidding. But our grandson's going to be born. And so do you know what I know? That we're still in that, that zone of generation after generation. And that's why we need to recognize the advent of Christ. He came into the world. That's why we need to understand that there's a second advent coming in that last generation. We don't know when that is coming, but until then, we know that we are called to be the church and so I pray we recognize the power, the height, the width, the depth, and the length of the love of Christ. And I want you to know this love that surpasses all knowledge. 
Oh, don't you see Christ? Don't you see him? You know, you could come to him today. I, I, I know this because he saved me. And golly, um, every one of us, the greatest need we have is a Savior. In fact, you need Jesus more than you need the next breath that you take. Do you know him? Do you know this love? We're going to have an invitation, and, and, and it's going to be totally different today. Maybe you need to pray with somebody. I'm going to ask our prayer team to go around the room. Um, and I want you to see them. And maybe you want to go to them after the service or, or even in just a little bit, we're going, to have a, we're going to have a very focused, different time of prayer today. Um, and we're going to do something totally different. We, one of the things we do in our church, uh, we do this two times a year. We have a family dedication uh, kind of moment. We create a ceremony for, for parents, new parents, as they, as they make commitments to their children, and then as, as we as a church make commitments to them. And, and today, uh, we're going to do that uh, because um, Harrison and Mallory are here. And when we had our family dedication uh, not too long ago, in, in, I think it was October, um, Harrison was at MD Anderson, and they just weren't able to come to that moment. So as we, Mallory and Susan were talking this week, and we thought, you know what? Hey, let's do it right now. So we're going to have a family dedication moment and, and, you know, here, here's what we do with our families. Just, like, I want our, like, it's important for our families to know that they're not alone as they raise their kids. I've raised three children in this church. And I am so grateful that there were Sunday school teachers and other voices that were speaking into the lives of my children Though I thought my car sermons were decent as I raised my kids. They would say, Dad, another car sermon. I knew my children needed other voices than Robin and I. They needed a church. You know, that's what we tell our families. And we create a moment where our, our families, our, our parents commit to their children and then our church commits to them. So Grace Lee is born, and so Harrison and Mallory, I want y'all to come on up here with your family. So let's let's go. And Susan, um, Susan Cook is our minister to preschool, and 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 her vision for 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 this event is incredible. And um, so we're going to have a little ceremony right now with Harrison, with Mallory. 
Now, now, Collins, we've walked through this with. Collins, you look pretty today. Gracely, you do too. Um, you know, in that, is that, she looks at me going, I love my pastor. I love that. Look at those eyes. Um, but, you know, we're going we're gonna to move into a little ceremony here. You ready? And, and you know, Harrison and Mallory, there, there's a part of Deuteronomy. It's called the Shema. And, and this noise of grace, every, like it's so, it's so interesting. When we would go to the hospital and I'd pray for Harrison and Gracely was there, she'd just be yakking and praying. And well, I thought she, I, I just assumed she's praying because she's like talking the whole time that I'm praying. That almost happened every time, every time. And I'm like, I can't wait to get to heaven to find out how Gracely was praying for her daddy that... And I want to say something about Harrison this week. This week, um, on, on Wednesday, not only did we have the circus here, but on Wednesday, we gathered at Harrison's firehouse, Station 24 in Tulsa. And Harrison was presented by a two-star general, uh, two awards. One was from the, the president of Midwestern Seminary when Harrison realized, okay, I can't fight fires like I used to. I'm going to do ministry. And so he got in seminary to start. See, Gracely's already, she's, she's excited about that. And um, he got in seminary and the president, and then the cancer hit him pretty hard and he had to have that amputation. So seminary got a little hard. But the president of Midwestern Seminary sent this really nice plaque honoring Harrison's contribution to the kingdom of God. Then a two-star general flew in from Georgia who's a, who was a, the, the highest-ranking chaplain in the United States military, came and presented Harrison an honorary first, made Harrison an, the first ever Honorary First Responder Chaplain for the North American Mission Board. Let's give him a hand. And that was a moment where they simply um, recognized this man's contribution to the kingdom of God. And we've been a witness to it. Okay, so Mallory the Shema, Deuteronomy 24, it talks about, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And he said to God's people, these commandments that I give you today, Moses gave these to all of the fathers and mothers of Israel. They are to, today, these commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So this is a calling for parents to say, we're going to teach our kids how to walk with the Lord. And so... I just want to remind you, the both of you, are to have, Harrison, you are to have a continuous faith walk. 
I've watched you do this. We've all watched you have a continuous faith walk. And this is something you're to do the rest of your life. Even after they leave your home, even after they become adults, you are to model this continuous faith walk. You're also, secondly, you're to spotlight their gifts. You're to shine the light on how God made them. You know, um, uh, both of you are pretty good athletes. They may be musicians. I don't know. If, if, if the Lord, um, I don't know how the Lord's going to raise them and gift them specifically. Um, but you're to highlight those gifts. Here's how God has gifted you. And Harrison and Mallory, you're to speak that into them. And you're to spotlight the gifts of God. You're to, thirdly, you're to pass on a blessing. The blessing not only of words to them, but a legacy. You know what I love about their story? This, Harrison and Mallory come from two families that have been in our church for generations. Both sides. And, um, and that's a blessing of faith. So now, I want you to look at Grace Lee. So bring her in front of Harrison so he can look at her too. And I want you to repeat after me, okay? Just repeat after me. It'll be short. I won't make you go too long. Okay, so you ready? I, it's kind of like what we did at your wedding, okay? But it's not that. It's this. That was really deep, wasn't it? Okay, I want you to look at Grace Lee. I promise before God and my church family to walk with the Lord in my life. I will seek him as I raise you. I will be an example of loving God, trusting the Lord, and seeking his plan for all of life, for all my days. All right, now church family. We gracefully love that. Did you hear that? Now we get to commit something to them. I want you to stand with me right now. And I want you to say this loud and clear. Maybe it's on the screen. I think Carl Mayer, yeah, he got it on there. All right, repeat after me. We promise to stand with you. We promise to stand with you. We will be a resource for you. We will be a resource for you. We will come alongside of you. We will come alongside of you. In prayer. In prayer. Instruction. Instruction. And accountability. accountability. We will be an example. We will be an example. Of loving God. Of loving God. Trusting the Lord. Seeking his, plan seeking his plan for all of life, for all of, life. For all of, our, days. For all of our days. Now, here's what I want us to do. Here's how we're going to end this service today. I want their family. I want you all, all the birds and Mosby's to come down here, everybody related. And now we're going to get all up and messy here. I want us to clump. So come on, let's go. Let's just clump around them.
Not everybody can make it. So we're going to go like, like old school posture of prayer, okay? When, when Paul wrote, we read, for this reason I kneel before the Father. I don't think I said this in this service. But kneeling was an unusual posture of prayer. Because most of the time when in the, in the New Testament, when they would pray, they would pray like this, standing with their hands up. They, they didn't pray kneeling. So it was Paul uniquely saying, we're going to try this bending submission, which is really good. But today, we're going to, those of you that are in the crowd, Gracie's already praying, which is awesome. I want us to raise our hands like they used to do. And let's pray for this family. Lord Jesus, it's a joy to hear Harrison and Mallory commit to you to raise Gracely and Collins. And Lord, I love it that every time I pray, Gracely prays. Your word says that when we pray, we should, there are groans and utterances that we don't even know. We don't even know because your spirit intercedes. And, and Lord, in this moment, we just acknowledge the faith of a child. And Lord, you have a way to communicate to children like none other. And how wonderful it would be, it will be to get to heaven and discover those utterances. Father, right now we pray that we would be faithful to the Mosbys as a church. That they would be faithful that Father Harrison led by the Spirit, looked me in the eye and made me promise that their girls would be baptized. And Lord, that was not a prayer to a pastor. It was a prayer to you. We pray that we'd be the the church that teaches them the gospel. And we trust that you're going to open their eyes and save their soul. Father, we bring this family to you and thank you that we get to be a church together in this moment. We love you, Jesus, and we entrust Gracely and Collins to you. Bless them, Jesus, in your name. Amen. I love you. What a great day. We'll see you. Dismissed.